Welcome to Dr. Cheryl's Pod Couch, where we talk about all things mental health. Today, I am so excited to have Eve Rodsky on. She is a Harvard Law School attorney. Um, after working in foundation management at J.P. Morgan, she founded the Philanthropy Advisory Group to advise families and charitable foundations on best practices. Eve was raised by a single mom in New York City and now lives in LA with her husband and her three children. Fair Play is her debut book that started from a text and some tears almost eight years ago. Thank you so much for being on, Eve. How are you? Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. Um, as I was saying to you offline, uh, Mommy Burnout, I read it cover to cover and I I feel like we have very aligned messages, so I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you on, and I have so many questions for you that I have to squeeze into this time. But um, I want to—I want the listener to know how um, how we got connected. So first, we share the same literary agent, so we're very yes. lucky um, and fortunate. And she connected us, so I got to read this book already, which is not out yet um, as we're speaking right now. But I devoured it in one weekend and <laughs> I just loved it from so many different perspectives and so many different reasons it's got like a little bit of feminism it's got a lot of issues that we don't know how to tackle they've been around for a long time and it's got a good dose of humor which mm -hmm. I love that but it's also so relatable and so actionable and that's what I feel like incredibly excited about. So I've told lots of people, as soon as you see this book, Fair Play, you have to get it because it's actually going to be a game changer. A lot of things say they're going to be, but I believe your book is really going to be. So, um, so let me now ask you a question. So we'll start with, I know some of these answers, but I can't wait to hear from you. So you, what inspired you to write this book and Couple that with how you imagine that it's going to be an actual game changer. Okay, thank you for saying that. Um, I, we, as you mentioned, I grew up in a single mom household. And I got to see firsthand what it was like to have one person hold all the cards. That's my metaphor. We'll talk about that later. But one person do it all. Um, and my mom is Terry. I grew up with brother, a younger brother, Josh. And that meant things like helping her with late utility bills, helping her write out the checks for late utility bills and posting our eviction notices on, you know, on her door with scotch tape to make sure she saw them when she got home working late nights. And I vowed from an early age that that wouldn't be me, that I would find a true partner in life. And I did. I found that true partner. And we're still married today, by the way. But when... Um, when we met, it was fair. It felt equal. We uh, really helped each other in our careers. We took turns doing the dishes. We each order, you know, took turns ordering in. And then cut to two kids later, and I talk about this in the book. I find myself sobbing, literally sobbing on the side of the road over a text my husband sent me. And that text said just one thing. It said, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And, and in that moment, 
I, as I was sobbing, I, well, the first thing I was really thinking, Cheryl, was if my marriage is going to fall apart, um, as I'm sure you deal with people <laughs> all the time, it was going to be over something way more dramatic, like uh, my affair with an NFL player. Like, I really felt that that's what it should be over, not off-season blueberries. But I was sitting there crying and thinking, I'm so overwhelmed, I can't even manage a grocery list when I used to be able to manage a team of employees. This was right after my second son was born. I had a breast pump in my car, a client contract in my vagina. Um, you know, as I was driving, trying to get my son from his first week at preschool, it was just too much. And then on top of that all, I just stopped to think, you know, how did I get here? How did I become the default for every single child care and, and household task for my family, um, and clear, you know, including apparently being, you know, the fulfiller of my husband's blueberry smoothie needs. So I knew that wasn't how I envisioned my life and something had to change. And so from there, I embarked on a quest, a quest for domestic rebalance. And that quest was a very interesting one because I found something very fascinating, which was that, and this was over 500 interviews where I mirrored the U.S. Census with men and women. Um, and out of those interviews, I found that the smallest details were the biggest problems in marriages. I had a man telling me he was locked out over a glue stick. He was driving around White Plains, New York. He couldn't come home because he forgot to bring home a glue stick. And you can imagine the wife's perspective. She'd been working for weeks on a homework project for her child. She just needed to glue the, pro the pictures on the poster board. And he couldn't even do that. Right. Uh, so, right, right. So that that's what he's telling me. I have a, a COO of a publicly traded company telling me that her greatest challenge, I asked her her greatest challenge, and she said it was taking getting her husband to take out the kitty litter. Yeah. Not running her publicly traded company. Yeah. So I realized that this was not just my problem. This was happening to women and men all across the country, of all walks of life. And so out of that came fair play. And that's, and it's a system and we can talk more about that, but that's how I got there. That's how I got there. It took me seven years, 500 interviews, experts with over 10 disciplines and using my own skill set, which is organizational management and mediation. And that's what's so brilliant about it. You're, you're coming at it from that perspective. Um, it's funny as you talk about the story, I, I feel like, you know, you made an observation and had an experience. I made an observation, had an experience. I looked at it from the lens of, I think that burnout in employment can actually apply to motherhood. And you yes. looked at it, right? And I think you and I probably read very, very similar books. I read all those books from the 80s, I mean, really from the 60s yes. and on, right? About yes. um, the second shift and all, yes. you know, all, all those kinds of really seminal kind of books. Um, and you have this really unique experience. So tell me, how did you come up with the title fair play? And there's a lot of interchangeable terms like emotional labor and invisible labor and the second shift. Can yeah. you explain to the listener what do those things mean? Yes. And this is as somebody who marched in her first Eagle Rights Amendment at 15 months, who grew up with a single mom, who's trained to use my voice. I was actually really surprised um, by the overwhelmed nature of where I was on my blueberries day. And then part of my uh, resistance of that day, the first, my first act of saying, I want to go on my quest and change things was reading every article and book that Cheryl, you said you've read as well. 
And those books do talk about uh, the second shift, which is a shift that begins early for women and, and ends late. And what it means is that women, regardless of whether they work out of the home, do two thirds or more of what it takes to run a home and family. That is still to today, even with men doing more, women are still doing the bulk of the childcare and household work in 2019. So we know the problem has not changed. But my favorite term of all, and you've heard it as emotional labor, yeah, a second shift. My favorite term has been the term invisible work, which was coined in 1987. Um, and that is because I really believed the beginning of my journey was to say, what if I made the vis invisible visible? What if one of the problems is that I'm running around like a crazy person behind the scenes while my husband doesn't even know these things are happening? So that was my first step. My first step was creating the shit I do spreadsheet. Love it. And that, that was really fun. It was fun because it was my first interaction with communities of women that I, I didn't know. And as my favorite sociologist, C. Wright Mills says, public, he says a version of, you know, public, private lives become public issues. And I believe that once I started seeing that everybody was reacting in this way to the shit I do spreadsheet, when I asked them, hey, ladies, what do you do with your time that your husband may not know? Tell me. And I was getting the craziest things like buying a Beanie Boo for my, for my daughter's tooth fairy because that's what she asked about the, for the tooth fairy. Uh, applying sunscreen. Uh, don't forget allowance. Of course, packing lunches and transporting kids and the general things we always do. But it kept growing and growing till it became 98 tabs on this giant Excel sheet with about... 15 to 20 sub tabs, but that was, that's what it, I thought that was it, Cheryl. I really thought that once I did that, I would be done, that I did everything that the articles told me. Every article had told me, make a list, share it with your spouse. So I did that and I did it with hundreds of other women and it became this beautiful 17 million megabyte spreadsheet <laughs> that I sent off to my husband one day and I only get one thing back. I don't even get the courtesy of the three monkey trio. I just get that monkey emoji with it covering its eyes. That's it. Yeah. And that was, the, that was the end of that conversation. Yeah, that went well. I mean, that's why this book is so relatable. Like many spouses would reply that way, would respond that right. way. Like, oh my God, what do you want to even, I mean, that basically is like, I don't know what to do with this. I can't deal with this. What do you do this. with this? Exactly. Like, so what? that. It was so funny because, again, as somebody who's um, I'm trained to, to create systems for very difficult uh, family organizations, um, I'm surprised I thought myself that a giant spreadsheet with no context would work because it's definitely not what I teach my uh, clients. Right. So then that's when I started realizing that lists alone don't work. They don't work because if I have to still remind you to do it, it's still the mental load. It's still on me. So I like to say um, what works is everything you need to know about fair play. I, you can I say it in one word, and that's mustard. I don't know that. Mustard. Tell me. Yes. <laughs> so when you think about mustard, you think that, okay, why is there mustard in your refrigerator? Oh, because your second son, Johnny, really likes mustard on his hot dog, not ketchup. And he likes the yellow French's mustard, not the spicy Dijon that you like. Then you actually have a list when things are running low or, you know, you're about to have hot dog night and somebody's putting 
uh, mustard on that, that list for you, that grocery list. Or then the third step of mustard in the wake on your refrigerator was someone actually had to go to the store to pick up the mustard, the yellow, not the spicy Dijon. So what I found in my research over hundreds and hundreds of couples was men, men where men were stepping in at the execution phase, the buying the mustard phase. But I rarely saw them whole, thinking about the mustard or writing down the mustard on the grocery list. So what happens when you take over the full mustard situation is it's transformative. So imagine Fair plays 100 cards that include cards like grocery shopping, which is where mustard would be, but there is 99 other, of that, other cards. And when I say that you take full ownership, I mean you take it from thinking about it to planning it to executing. And that's really the beauty of what I see working for myself in my own home and all the beta testers that I have using the system. It's so great. So, so of all the mustard thing is genius because I think if I could like put a crown on my own head, I would be like, yeah, I'm queen mustard. I remember all those little tiny details. I love that. Right. That's, I would be, and it would like, could become a fight though. Like, you know, with, with my spouse tonight, I could be like, you'd never remember the mustard. And if you did, you would not get the right one. Like, that's right. That is cool. So what happens is men are being locked out because they're bringing home, they're forgetting glue sticks or they're bringing home spicy Dijon. Totally. And women just say to me, I don't, how can, and they would, the, the first thing I would hear was how can, I trust him with our living will. You tell me you want me to take, give him the estate planning card. How am I going to trust him with my living will if he can't even bring home the right type of mustard? Right, right. And you know what well, my experience is? It's, it's so true. And my experience is a little different to give my, my husband yes, credit. Please. He is, I will actually say for women listening to this thinking, oh no, like, you know, my husband's really helpful around the house, right? I have a really helpful husband around the house, but there are still details of things that I do that I walk around with resentment about that he'll never know. Like I've been sick the last week. And so I don't know, I snapped like one of these last days and I was like, I don't see you walking around with Lysol wipes, wiping every single thing down that I touch. You know how many times I've wiped those and he's looking at me like, Oh boy. Like, you know, and so those are the things though I tally in my head. He doesn't disinfect things. You know, he didn't, there was ice all over the floor. Well, that ice is going to melt into water. Like those are the little details. And so like, I think this book applies to the completely aloof spouse who is, you know, really not aware of 98% of what you do, but there's also, I think it's still just as helpful for the spouse that you consider 50 50 probably like what you were describing yours to be you think of them as really helpful yes yes because i think even the most well this is the cool thing what the cool thing is is that the science doesn't refute anything i say the science is all there for the concepts behind fair play i had a psychology expert uh in the division of labor make sure that we checked all the science And the science shows that the person you end up living with after children is not the same person you married. Men do less after children come. And I do think there, yes, there's maternal gatekeeping. There's all these different words you may hear. But ultimately, I do think it's because whether it's societal or patriarchy or whatever the things are, it is what it is. And so we start getting very used to doing all these details. The other interesting thing is that a lot of women, when I said to them, why 
why are you holding so much? Why are you holding every, you know, all these little details in your head for your family? Um, and the big ones and the like medical appointments and vaccinations and the small ones like mustard and glue sticks and homework. They said, because, well, I'm just my, I'm wired differently. So I think it's really important uh, to tell your listeners that that is just not the case. We are not wired any differently. And we know that because our husbands are very capable. They're amazing. They do great things at work. There's 99 of 100 CEOs or men on the Forbes list, which has had its own problems. But that's what's happening. Men are using their brains. They do have great executive function. And that's what the scientists show. The neuroscientists I went to, I went to the top neuroscientists in the country, and they all said the same thing, that even in experiments to try to prove that women were better multitaskers, there was nothing there. Interesting. And I had one off the record, one off the record say to me, imagine you could convince half the population they are better at wiping asses and doing dishes. <laughs> I ding, love ding, that ding, 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 ding. It happens. That's it, right? So men are capable. Men like your husband are capable of the Lysol. Men of my, of my husband are capable of buying the right mustard. And I see it working. It's working in my marriage. It's working in marriages all over the country. But it requires context. The same way we do it for 50 years in business, we're going to have to start doing it in the home. And the context is it comes with ownership. It comes when you own the full mustard situation. And for me, it started with extracurricular sports. I started with one card. So after Should I Do, and I started realizing that I needed to bring some of my own learnings, my own expertise to this topic and say, let's see what happens if I was going to design a system. What, what works in systems? The best systems, the best organizations are one where you have a DRI, a directly responsible individual. So in my household, we were always blaming each other because we didn't have any directly responsible individuals for anything. We were sort of over tripping on each other. Or our favorite thing was we both do it, the royal we. Mm -hmm. But we both do it means that no one was doing it. Or we were both pissed when we both didn't do it. So when you finally go to a DRI model, which is this, what, what fair plays about you own a card so it's you deal a hundred card deck to your spouse and to you your fair is not going to look the same as my fair but when you deal a card and i said to seth you are holding the extracurricular sports card now what it used to mean for him was showing up at little league and that's a lot right you're sitting there it's, these are four hour games it's hot in the bleachers but i was still there and not only that i was buying the equipment for my kids I was returning cleats on Amazon when they came in the wrong size. I, I was applying their sunscreen. I was giving money towards a coach's gift. I was uh, peeling oranges for snack day. So very, I, I was being blamed when my son didn't bring home the, water, the expensive water bottle that we got as a gift. So when, when Seth finally said, wow, and we talked about it not in the moment when things were calm, and we said, what would happen if you just owned extracurricular sports? From birth certificates Xeroxing to registering our kids to taking them to arranging their carpools. And you know what, Cheryl? Eight hours a week. Whoa. I got eight hours a week back of my time. Wow. From app now, from having my overtime, having my two kids in full in, you know, in they're passionate about athletics, eight hours back. Just from that one card. And 
so there's two there's two things I want to say. First one is I want you to explain to people that that you have a book, and then subsequent to that, there are also cards. So I want you to explain yeah. that. Yeah, but that's I will. Bad. That's important. Uh, yes, but I want to tell you that um, I have when I've been talking about this book to some people, I've been saying to them, so like if you had. Um, what's the example I use? There's something out of your book that I use, but I'll make something out different right now. Like if you had, um, you know, laundry for the week, that would mean every single solitary aspect of the laundry. It doesn't mean I'm going to wash it and I'm going to fold it and I'm going to leave it in the basket looking really pretty on the floor in front of the closet. It means you own it beginning to end and you do not ask as far as I took my takeaway from the book is you basically, you do not ask your partner to help you at all. No, like you, you are do not. the person. Correct. Right. That okay. is very different. How nobody does it that way. I've never found anybody who does it this way. So I am asking for big changes. I'm asking for big, big changes. Um, I'm asking you not to eat sugar basically, um, you know, in your diet book, it, it is a book and yes, it comes with, um, free downloadable cards because the, there is a lot of, there's four rules to fair play, which you'll read. And like you said, it's sort of a fun, humorous read. Mm-hmm. And then there's an actual game you play with your spouse where I invite, I help you invite them to the table with uh, a paperless post and ways to communicate. But yes, Cheryl, that's exactly right. You are, when you own a card, which you, when you play and you own a card, you own it from start to finish. And I have so many women saying to me, I don't believe my husband would do it that way. I don't think he can ever hold any one thing start to finish, but I promise you, if you go through the system and you actually play with the rules that um, I set out, it works. And it works because this is not just another scorekeeping list. It works because it, it starts with the core, and this is Cheryl, I've heard you talk about this before too, but this it starts with the cores of your values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does not work unless you, if you skip that step, Fair play doesn't work. But when you get to sit down and actually value what you care about with your with your partner, it's a very beautiful thing and things start to change. So we're not fighting over glue sticks anymore. That same couple, I had them have a conversation about values. Do we care about homework? Okay, you both do. Why? You both were the first in your families to get college degrees. You needed to do your homework to get good grades. What did your college degree do for you? Your education was so important and had you meet each other in college. And so you go backwards and you start talking about values. Yes, homework's important. Yes, we remember it's so overwhelming. And when I do homework, so that's that's the beauty. And I will tell you one, one quick uh, story about one man who decided to start with homework. In my house, we started with the full extracurricular sports. I think I would have been very scared to take laundry because I would have never seen any clean underwear again, probably. But... <laughs> Extracurricular sports was great. I had one couple who started with homework. And they just started with one project. Her, She asked her husband to not do things piecemeal anymore. No more glue stick comments and fights. Let's try it where you take over homework. We I redeal the co- homework card to you for one project. And that project was a Secret Santa project. And their son got a little girl in the class that he didn't know very well. So the dad and mom were telling me the story of he's looking on YouTube, best secret Santa gifts, because the requirement, the the only requirement was that you couldn't buy anything. 
they want to show that, you know, this is not materialism. You have to make it from your heart. So they chose a, uh, to do a jewelry box for this little girl. And so the dad said, I didn't even know there was something called Michael's, but there's a store that has all these arts and crafts in it. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm glad you figured that out. It's a really cool store. So he goes with his son to Michael's. He finds uh, colored popsicle sticks, the glue. They bring it home. They're assembling the project. Uh, it took a long time. He's you know, saying, wow, this took a long time, which gave empathy to his wife, who had been doing all these projects for years. And they built this, this beautiful little jewelry box for this girl, and they wanted to do a glitter top. So what the mom comes in and tells me that her, she felt like her life changed when she saw the glitter on her husband's hands. Oh, it makes me cry still. And I've told the story many times. Yeah. It's the glitter. And she said, there was just something in the, you're in this with me now. And so that's it. Even if it's just one project, Mm -hmm. it's the beauty of these small stories that moved me to keep wanting to do this work. You're exactly right. And I think by telling that story, which it, I would have the same emotion if I saw that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, it's, it's so true. It's all about your values. Like even as, even though I talk about your values and being clear on them and the making decisions from them. And you do, I love that you talk about that. I do talk about that a lot, but here's what's so funny is as you tell the story, I'm totally engrossed in going, instead of saying, yeah, like you need to get glue sticks and then you need to get popsicle sticks and blah, blah, blah. If you say, oh, wait a second, we are going to invest two hours in our Saturday afternoon in doing this, even though it's like beautiful out and we could be outside, whatever you could be doing, because we value whatever it is, empathy, homework, human beings, people, friendships. And if you come down to that, and if it's one of your top three to five values, then it's a no brainer. It's like, oh yeah, of course I would do that. And and men respond when you talk to them like that. So I never talk down to men because what I realize is it's not fun to not understand why you're bringing home a glue stick. It's not fun to have to run to Michael's after working a 10 hour day to get popsicle sticks and have literally no idea why you're doing this. But when you can, like you said, Cheryl, say, we value this project. It's for a little girl in the class. She doesn't have that many friends. You're a more popular boy. Um, Let's do the best project we can for her. And it's gonna make her feel really good. That's what this family is telling her son. And you're watching the son also get the glitter on his hands with his father. And so that, that's it. It's, it's not these big dramatic stories. It's the stories I tell are from the real people all over the country, because that's what's happening to all of us. And I think we can relate, we can relate. And so the more we, I sat down with Seth to talk about our value system, the more we actually took stuff off our plate. That was the beauty. We trimmed our deck. We looked at some cards and said, you know, I used to fight with him and force him to write these beautiful thank you notes. And he's like, I just want to do it over text. And I'm like, you know what? Take a picture of whatever you need to take. And if you want to hold thank you notes, a picture and a text is fine. Like we have to come to some reasonable standards. And that's what the book is about. Reasonable standards based on our values. Yeah, I love it. And when it. you can have those conversations, it is. it happens with my day practice too. I have, you know, crazy... Uh, <laughs> Crazy situations, as you can imagine, um, dealing with people uh, similar to the HBO show Succession. But you go in, and I have—I walk into families where the patriarch is storming out of the room every time his second son speaks. 
And then I work with this, these families and then all of a sudden we're in a system where everybody knows their role, where there's clearly defined expectations, where there feels like there's fairness and transparency. There's nothing like that in the home now. Right. So when we can have these, it's all about conversation. And so I'm, I, I'm an evangel evangelist. <laughs> My husband and I were the first players, as I like to say, I'm not just the hair president of the hair club for men. I'm a client. <laughs> Right. Um, I, we, we, we play every single week we check in and we have these conversations. It's awesome. I'm so inspired by it. Um, I could definitely talk to you all day about it, but yes. <laughs> I have one more question I get to ask you. Um, you have a connection to Reese Witherspoon's company, Hello Sunshine. How did that come to be? And why is that important to the book's mission? If it is, I'm just assuming it is, but um, what aligned there for for that connection to happen? Um, I, I love that. Thank you for asking that. It is very important. Um, Reese is a family friend. And ironically, she was um, one of my early should I do sourcers <laughs> of the spreadsheet. So I first came to her as a friend and in a conversation, I said, I'm creating this giant spreadsheet. Um, is there stuff you do? And so I think Reese was actually the one who said sunscreen. And I said, no, no, it's the, I promise you sunscreen's in there. She thought I forgot sunscreen, but it was under the medical and healthy living car, uh, tab, you know, Excel tab. I was like, I promise you I have sunscreen. So it started with an organic, um, uh, really nice uh, contribution from Reese uh, around the Should I Do spreadsheet. And then I met with the CEO of Hello Sunshine later on, Sarah Hardin, and she was just in this new big job and she said the night before she had just started to have these conversations with her husbands about how they were going to rebalance uh, the domestic workload so i gave her a early version of the cards and so i made her be an early beta tester because for if anything i'm not i'm obsessed with research and i believe that the most important thing about self-help is that you don't just come in and say this is my experience but that i could tell you about the experience of others so that's why it took me seven years to launch this book because I wanted to be confident in my research and the testing of these concepts. So Sarah was an early tester. Uh, Reese was an early sourcer of the Should I Do spreadsheet. And what coming to Hello Sunshine for me was really important because I call myself like the Rachel Ray, you know, like I, Hello Sunshine gives a platform to people. I have a very secretive job. I work with very high profile people. So I'm almost the opposite of having a platform. I'm scared to be public because I don't want any of my clients ever to feel like I'm revealing anything of their secrets. Right. So to come out and have a platform for new voices is what Hello Sunshine um, does. And they're including me in that, in that mission and journey. Gotcha, that makes sense now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I will ask one super quick last question. Can this book apply to single moms? Great question. Um, I had a nice, uh, a nice group, a wonderful group of single mothers consult on the book. And um, the reason why I thought it was really important to bring them to the table was, of course, this is a, there's solution privilege here. You have to have a partner to play the card game, to implement this in your own life. But what it does, what one of them said, and it's true, is what if during my court battle with my spouse over alimony, the court actually cared about everything I did to raise a good human being? What if they saw it? What if I could put 
a hundred cards in front of the judge and we can actually have a tangible conversation about all the things I did, not just that I wasn't a money earner for my family. So I think these are really important conversations, even if you're not technically playing with a, with a partner, because I believe that they will hopefully empower society to finally say these cards are important. The invisible work that you do is so important and you can't do it alone. So maybe we'll have some policies to support you. And we will value that raising a we will value raising a good human being as much as we do an hour in the boardroom. Yep. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping for our culture. Yeah, so well said. And I could see if there's a single mom, this could be, a, I mean, usually somebody's got some form of a village. So this is a conversation she can have, even if it's with a nanny or with a yes. grandparent. Um, and if she's a manager or she's a CEO or she's doing any kind of leadership work, it just implants something in your head around what's the equity here? Are we yes. being equitable? Am I being considerate? Where do I need to pour in more empathy? Um, I love that. Yeah, I just see so many, so many secondary kind of gains from the message of the book. And it's not, the cool thing is that it's not just a message. It is actually an action plan. And so I just say bravo to you on your first book that Thank you're not, you. and you're not just launching it. I'm sure you're birthing it. I mean, this is. I'm birthing it. it it's a, I was trying to find an animal online that has a seven year gestation period. <laughs> so there's nothing that's that long, but it does feel like another child. It feels like it's been birthed over a long period of time. Um, but the beauty is in the process. Yeah. The beauty is in talking to people like you and getting to meet you. And the beauty is being able to talk to all those women and men across the country. I feel just that lens alone was enough to like in, impact my life. And now I get to share their stories with everybody else. It's very exciting. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing your, uh, your shit you do on <laughs> spreadsheet and your cards yes. and your vulnerability to share what was happening in your marriage because millions and millions of people can relate. And um, I just really commend you. I cannot wait to see where this goes and people using this term. And before we know it, um, I'm going to check in with you a year from now and see how it's impacted our country because I really oh, think it will. Would. Well, thank you, Cheryl. Um, thank you for being an early supporter. Um, your messages are so important for women. And because we're aligned so much on values, I'm just... I'm excited. We have, well, let's take the show on the road. We'll go somewhere together. Let, let's do it. And you can't yeah. see, but underneath these are your unicorn earrings. So thank oh, you. Good. Eve oh sent me. Thank you for uh, that. Yes, Eve was very kind, and she sent me this great little note. Speaking of writing notes, and sent me these little unicorn earrings. And so I love when I wear them. I feel like extra powerful, and my daughter loves when I wear them too. So thank awesome. you. I'm wearing them today, and I am cheering you on, and I am going to be spreading this message. And I thank you so much for being on my show today. Okay, I'm giving you a virtual hug as I feel like this merits a hug. So I'm giving you a hug through the Skype. Okay. Mwah. Bye. All right, bye, Cheryl. Bye. Okay, talk to you soon. Okay, okay bye. Bye-bye.